Come on. Now we're going to dive into the word. Come on. His word is good. His word is good. If you have your Bible, which you should have your Bible, come on. Do we bring our Bibles to church? I, listen, I love apps. I'm a, I'm a super techie guy, and yet there is nothing that can take the place of a paper Bible. Amen. Nothing. That's my speech. Hebrews 11. If you have your Bible, Hebrews 11, I'm just going to pray for us again real quick. Lord, we thank you for this time. And Lord, we give this message to you, Lord. I, I have zero desire, God, just to share words. My desire is that you would come. We thank you that you're already here. And so this morning, Lord, by faith, we just say, Lord, our faith is anchored to you. I just ask you that you, that you would do what only you can do through the words that are spoken this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is By Faith. By Faith. Faith is a very foundational a very foundational word yes like we should all have some idea of what faith is we came to know Jesus how through faith through faith and so this is a very important concept and as I was really like I was praying Lord what do you want to release I just the Lord just kept dropping that phrase in there by faith by faith and if you read Hebrews 11, you can't read Hebrews 11 and not come out with by faith. Because it's actually in there 19 times. 19 times. By faith. And I just, this morning, I just want to anchor us in what is faith. And I really want us to step into this. So, by faith is mentioned a total of 40 times in the New Testament. If you've been around um, for a little while, you know I love to just dig deep into the Word. So we are going to go in the Word this morning. It's mentioned 40 times. 19 of them are in Hebrews 11 alone. Isn't that fascinating? That's pretty amazing. Guess how many times the word faith is used in the Bible? 232 times. You think that's important? It's foundational. It's super important. All right, so I'm just going to read a couple passages, but I want you to stay in Hebrews 11. So Romans 5, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. You have been justified by faith. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Hebrews 11, it's really important when we're talking about by faith that we have an understanding of what faith means. Now again, this is a very like, 
Some of you are like, wow, we're talking about something that's super, like Christianity 101. Like if you were at, at the seminary, you would have probably already needed to know this to get in. Like it's that foundational, right? But, but I think it's, it's foundational and then sometimes it's easily forgotten. Sometimes we're like, yeah, faith. And we're like, wait, do we really, do we all know what that means? Do we all understand the weight and the gravity of faith? And so Hebrews 11, verse 1, everybody go there, everybody look. When you see in Scripture, when it says, now something is, that's really important. So here in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That word faith there is the Greek word pistis, which means proof or conviction. So faith is the confidence. Faith is being convinced of things hoped for. It's being convinced of the proof of things not seen. I love what the King James Version says. It says faith is the substance. <laughs> faith is the substance. The substance isn't just some ethereal thing, right? Substance isn't like you know, what is substance? You know, we're not having to ask ourselves what substance is because substance is real. Substance is tangible. The definition of substance is this, the real physical matter of which a person or thing consists and which has a tangible, solid presence. So if I'm saying faith is the substance, it means my faith resides in something that is real. So the first thing you need to know this morning is your faith is not in something that's not real. Your faith is not just in anything. It's not just in something that you're hoping is real. Faith is the substance. It's the reality of Jesus. It's a God who was and who is to come. Faith is a man named Jesus that came to earth as a baby, died on a cross, and rose again, conquered the grave. He's victorious. That's faith. Faith is something like we don't just read this word and we're like, well, I hope this is real. No, it's the substance. What distinguishes the Christian faith from anything else? It's real. So when you're reading this, I just want to encourage you, like, this isn't just like something. This is the reality of a God who was and is, to end, who was and is, and is to come, a man named Jesus who died, who rose again, who loves you, who died for you. It's the reality of the fact that he's not dead, he's alive. Amen. My faith is not in something that's dead. It's in the living God. Come on, it's not Easter yet, but we can go there. Every Sunday, come on, Hebrews 11.6, go down to Hebrews 11.6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be the one who rewards those who seek him. So listen to this, faith is walking with the conviction that God is real He's alive and active, even if we don't always see it. 
I'm going to read this verse later on, but I just feel it in my spirit again. Ephesians, it says, Now may the eyes of your heart be enlightened. How are the eyes of your heart enlightened? Have you ever read passages of Scripture and you're like, what? How? Faith. How can the eyes of my heart be enlightened? Because it's by faith. I may not see it right now, but the eyes of my heart can be opened and awakened and enlightened, not because I'm doing anything, but because Jesus strikes that match on my heart and he says, whoa, here I am. It's faith. And listen, faith is not something you earn. Back in ministry school, there, there used to be this kind of this time, and you know how it is, there's always some teachings that you're like, ah, that's just not theologically accurate. And one of them that started coming out was there was sort of this, this momentum and this movement where it was like, in order to see something happen, you had to have enough faith. It's almost like you had to measure up. Like there was this faith barometer. Like, uh, come on, it's got to go up to see that healing. Oh, come on, can we actually, this is real. Some of us still think this way. Some of us still think we have to earn faith. I don't try and earn a seat at the table, thank God. I don't earn a seat at the table, my seat has been purchased for me. (laughs) Oh, come on. Oh, I don't have to earn a seat at the table and thank God, because man, I, let's be honest, right? It's in our brokenness, in our fragile places. We don't earn a seat at the table. He purchased a seat for us. So the only thing that we have to do is acknowledge that we need him to sit there. Oh, I can feel the Holy Spirit on that. Come on, I'm not walking in trying to go, oh man, did I do enough to have faith today? Jesus is like, hey, you see that chair over there? It's actually already got your name on it. It's reserved for you. I purchased it for you. The only prerequisite is that you choose. You say, Lord, I need you. I put my faith in you. And then I can sit in that chair. And when I sit in that chair, listen, When I sit in that chair, I don't have to try to sit in another chair to get more faith. I'm not trying to sit in this chair and then someone else who I think has more faith than me, I need to go sit in his chair to get more faith to see something happen. You sit in your chair, you recognize that the real Jesus lives on the inside of you by faith. You sit in that chair and the authority of all heaven and earth is within you. So you can speak and things happen. Jesus in Matthew 10, oh, I'm preaching off the notes. Jesus in Matthew 10 gave the disciples all authority. He didn't say, well, Peter, you know, you have a little more authority than Andrew. You know, Simon, you're going to have to do a little bit more than uh, Peter. All authority. It wasn't a measuring stick. It wasn't a let's figure out how to have authority. It wasn't a barometer. It wasn't a maybe I've done enough good things today. Maybe I've finally had enough quiet times. Maybe I've finally worshipped enough to get myself into a place where I can have faith. 
It's faith in the living God, and I'm living seated in that chair that he purchased for me, and out of that reality, demons flee. Out of that reality, every sickness has to go. It's not because of me. It's because I need Jesus, and he can do it. Oh, come on. I can feel faith in this room. Come on. Do we believe that, though? Because this is faith. This is faith. We can say that. We can say that till the... till. Till he comes and still not step into it because we have to be convinced. I think right now one of the messages that the Lord wants to speak to the church is not to just start, not to just talk about me, be convinced of me. It's not enough to have good pep talks. It's not enough for me to inspire us to do something. You have to go and you have to say, oh, I'm convinced of the living God. I'm convinced of who he is. I'm convinced that his word is true. I'm convinced that he's alive. I'm convinced that I'm not just navigating this earth on my own, that I'm navigating this journey on my own. He is with me. I'm convinced. That's faith. Like Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? We quote it all the time. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Meaning that I come to him as one that doesn't deserve it, but because of grace, I get it. Through my conviction and belief that he is the only way. He's the only way. I think this is so important too because we have so many more choices and roads than ever before. Even in my lifetime, like Even I am like, whoa, like all this social media stuff. Like, I remember a time when there wasn't any of that. Even I do. (laughs) But we have a generation, like the more that, the more time that goes on, the more roads, the more choices. What did Jesus say in Matthew 7? The gate is narrow. And the way is constricted that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, why would Jesus say that? Because there's so many roads that you can down, go down. There's so many choices that you can make. There's so many opportunities to deviate course. The way is narrow because it's one person. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And if Jesus isn't, if he's not occupying that place, then there's so many other choices. There's so many things. It's not Jesus and something else. It's just Jesus. We can't combine Jesus with something and say, well, Jesus And maybe I'll have a plan B. It's just Jesus. My plan A is Jesus. My plan B is Jesus. My plan C is Jesus. Everything. Everything that I am is Jesus. And I can guarantee you something. Even people that have no, they don't believe, they say that they don't believe in anything, they have faith in something. Come on, have you ever thought about that? Like atheists will say that they don't believe in anything and when you really get down to the root of it, they actually have faith in something. Right? Do I have faith that if I walk outside, I'm not just gonna float into space? Gravity. I got faith in gravity, right? When I, when I hopefully, if my car's not broken, I'll turn that key and the car starts. So you have faith in something. The question is, do you have faith in Jesus? Is your faith rooted and grounded in him? And I just believe that as a church, as a group of believers, 
I believe that the Lord is raising up a remnant that will say, among all the choices, I choose Jesus. Like, faith is important because it is you choosing Jesus in the midst of all the other options. Faith is anchored in more than experience. It's anchored in a conviction that he is the one, only, true God. So what does it mean when we say walking by faith? What does this look like? And there's three keys to walking by faith. Believing his word. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you believe his word. And you believe his word, you believe the written word. But that, that Greek word for word in Romans 10, 17 actually is rhema. So it's the logos, which for those that don't know Greek, the logos, that's the written word. Rhema is the now word. It's the word that he's continuing to author. It's the word that he's continuing to put on your heart. So faith comes by hearing. It comes by hearing this. It comes by knowing this, but it also comes by hearing. It comes by him as he reveals things to you. On your journey, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the fact that he's alive. The second key is this. You, have, you need to believe who he says that he is. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we believe that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And then the third key is this. Walking by faith means being convinced of his nature. Oh, that's so good. You don't understand the gravity of what I just said. When we're up here and we're singing these songs, we're not just talking about, we're not just singing about the goodness of God for anything. We're not just singing that he's worthy for anything. We're not just singing about how much he loves us for anything. On Thursday, we spent like an hour and a half singing about his love. Why? Because it's his nature. And if I don't understand his nature, things can get real weird. I need to understand who God is. Who is he? Who is he? You need to understand who he is. You need to know who he is. Because then when trials come, you aren't going to anchor to something else because your outcome looks different than who God is. You're, you're fixated on the nature of God. By faith. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. How do you walk by faith and not by sight? Because he becomes your sight. I may not see, but he does. So my faith anchors to him. He becomes my sight. I see through him. He is the way. All right, back to Hebrews 11. Look at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. 
by faith. Can you imagine what this would have been like? Can you imagine being Abraham? Have you ever put yourself in the shoes of some of these people? Like you're walking your only son up the mountain knowing that the only instruction God has given you is to sacrifice him. Count me out, right? I'm not walking up that mountain. How did Abraham do that? Why did Abraham do that? Because he knew who God was. He was so anchored by faith that he knew. He knew who God was. Like, have you ever thought about how absolutely nuts some of these people in the Bible were? No, like, really, let's think about this. Because sometimes we gloss over these verses, and we read them, and we're like, oh, yeah, David killed Goliath with a sling and two stones. Like, yeah, that's, that's cool. No, a sling and two stones killed a huge giant. Can you imagine David walking up to this massive giant with a sling and two stones? Joshua marching around Jericho? What? There's not a military leader in this world that thinks that's a good idea. Yeah, let's not attack. Let's march around the city and then blow some horns. Can you imagine what that would have looked like? Moses seeing God in a burning bush. Can you imagine Moses telling the story to someone else? Hey, man, I just saw God in a burning bush. What? Moses telling the Israelites to walk into the Red Sea. They told him what they thought of that. Let's go back to Egypt. Abraham and Sarah having faith that they could actually conceive at their age. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. The centurion, believing that all Jesus had to do was say a word. Just one word, like don't even come visit Jesus. I don't need you to come visit because all you have to do is just say the word. Noah building a giant boat in his backyard. Think about how that would have looked. What are you doing over there, Noah? Just building a giant boat because there's a flood coming. You can imagine these like guys, you know, the old school meteorologists. They're like, I don't see rain on the forecast, Noah. What are you doing, Noah? Sometimes faith looks crazy. Listen to this. Great faith often invites more questions than it has immediate answers for. Noah knew one thing. There's a flood coming. Obedience said, I'm going to build a boat in my backyard. And I'm going to build it big enough so that animals and my family can fit on it. And you can imagine all these people walking up to Noah going, Noah, what? Like, like this would have been the front page of every news outlet. It would have made the front feed of your social media account. Weird man builds boat. And then the floods came. And then the water came. 
Noah believed God. He believed God enough to build a giant boat, to look ridiculous, to lose his reputation. But crazy faith doesn't care. And that's what I'm trying to invite you into this morning. We need to not just say, hey, we've got a little this. We need to step into the crazy faith that God has. His faith. Like when we're believing for things, when we're being obedient to God, we're not just doing it because we think something's going to happen. My obedience to God isn't because I'm like, well, maybe something will happen. No, it's God. If God says it, God will do it. So come on. Crazy faith. I got to step into that. All of these people had two things in common, okay? Number one, they were probably all called crazy and laughed at. Bring it on, Lord. Bring it on. Number two, they all knew that they needed God. Not just kind of needed or sometimes needed, but an I'm going to build a giant boat and hope that the rain comes, God. These great exploits started out sounding ridiculous because when you don't know the outcome, things can look wild. Faith isn't focused on the outcome, but on the one in whom you are choosing to follow. By faith means you aren't, pro- you aren't focused on producing an outcome, but on being obedient to and submitting to the lordship of Jesus. Listen to this. This is so foundational, but it's, it's revolutionary. Faith is simple, but it's costly. Faith is foundational, but it's revolutionary. It's not manufactured. Faith isn't grasping for air. Sometimes faith, we have this idea that faith is just like, maybe something will happen if I grasp enough. That's not faith. Faith isn't gambling. Oh, come on. I'm not rolling the dice on something. If my faith is in Jesus Christ, the one who is and is to come, the one who's alive, then I'm not rolling the dice hoping this works. I'm standing in, I'm believing his word, I'm believing who he is, and I'm believing the nature of God. Come on. Not maybe. He is who he says that he is. We have to believe this. Faith is more concerned about following than it is leading. Come on, I think, I think we need to create more followers than we need to do leaders. I think we got a lot of leadership schools, and I think we're teaching people how to lead without actually first teaching them how to follow. Jesus' leadership seminars weren't, hey, go lead those people. It was, hey, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. <laughs> oh, come on. Maybe we don't need leadership schools. Maybe we need followership. That's not going to be a good marketing tool. Come spend nine months and learn how to follow. As a leader, my only capacity to leave comes as good as I know how to follow. Man, the better follower I am, the better leader I am. And I think we're raising up leaders and we're giving them a 12-step guide to leadership without first saying you need to die. You need to 
deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. You need to give your life to following, and that actually produces leadership. All right, that was my rabbit trail. All right, I want to talk to us about something, though, because I feel this is really critical. I want to give you one thing that faith isn't, okay? Faith is not a denial of reality. Sometimes, I think we have this idea that faith means saying everything is good when it isn't. Can I tell you what that is? It's fake, not faith. And there's a huge difference. And you need to understand the the difference. Listen to this. Disregarding your circumstance and the reality of your situation isn't faith, it's fake. Fake says you can't be honest about your situation because then you aren't having faith. Fake says always put a smile on your face and no matter what is happening, just be strong and don't acknowledge weakness. That's fake, not faith. Faith never says fake it until it happens. Faith never says don't be honest about your situation. I want you to turn in your Bible to Romans 4, verse 19. I want to illustrate this because it's in the Word. Come on, we need to find things in the Word. Romans 4, 19. It says this. Without, oof, Jesus. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead. And since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Who are we talking about? Abraham. But like, did you read that? Abraham, without wavering, contemplated his present circumstances. He considered the reality of his weakness, of the fragile state he's in. Hey, I'm 100. Sarah is 90. That's the reality of the situation. It's not that I don't have faith. It's that this is the reality. And can I tell you something? The more times we operate in fake, we're actually not giving God the opportunity to make it happen. Because we're so focused on, oh, we just have to try to pretend something. No, 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 no. Did you know that God actually, what qualifies you is your weakness? Because that means what? You need God. Second Corinthians 12, 9, right? My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, listen to this, this is Paul. I will rather boast about my weaknesses. Who likes to boast about their weaknesses? Not me. I would rather boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell within me. What's he saying? My weakness doesn't disqualify me. It qualifies me. Because the acknowledgement of my weakness and my need for Jesus is actually what reveals faith. So let's not light... Let's not do this thing where it's like, okay, man, my life is just crashing down, but hey, everything's fine. I'm good. No, I'm not good. I'm weak. I'm fragile. I've been in broken, 
broken places. I've been in broken seasons. I've, I've messed up. I, I've, had to, I've had to dig myself out. I've had to figure out, oh, no, I need him. And because I need him, he responds and says, faith. Listen to this. Your faith is what fuels you or propels you through your present reality. Faith doesn't say, let's just gloss over your present reality and just waltz into a greater thing. Faith says, I will, I will be the one that gets you through this situation. I don't want to just bring you over. I want to bring you through. It's through. It's, it's the journey. It's the trials. It's suffering. It's persecution. What happens when things happen? We have a choice. Do we have faith in God or do we not? And when things happen, he is the only one that can pull me through. And if I believe that, then my faith isn't focused on outcomes. It's not focused on having to see something at the, under, at the other end. Because if I need him, I believe in him, I know that everything that he's already done for me is enough anyway. I don't have to see an outcome to have faith in him. Faith anchors me to who God is even when my present circumstances don't look like he is good. Man, faith is, I can't do life without Jesus. Like, I'm standing here this morning, the only way that I even have the ability to stand up here after the last two years that I've gone through personally is because of Jesus. We cannot be anchored to this. To, we have to be anchored to the real thing. You cannot be anchored to something that's not real. You cannot be anchored to something that will sway you this way or sway you that way based on emotions, based on circumstances, based on outcome. It's got to be focused on who he is. It's got to be focused on Jesus. Paul exhorted Timothy. He said, in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. How do you fight the good fight of faith? You remain tethered to the fact that there's only one that can give you hope. There's only one that can set you free. There's only one that can save you. There's only one that can redeem your life from the pit. Only one that can save your soul. Only one that can heal your heart. Only one that can give you everlasting peace. Only one that can truly make you happy. Only one that gives you joy unspeakable. Only one way to heaven. There's only one. Even if I don't see the promises here on earth, the outcome that I seek, the answers to my questions, faith says I choose to stay in the room with Jesus. Did you know that, that there's not a verse in the Bible that says, and all of his promises will happen on earth, yes and amen? I, sometimes I wish it were in the Bible. It says all of his promises, but it doesn't say on earth. I have so many questions for him when I get to heaven. Why? And I'm not ever going to know the answer to, to some of these until I get there or until Jesus returns. But the reality of my faith in Jesus is not dictated by the things I didn't get answers for. 
It's dictated by the fact that I cannot get through this without him. I cannot get through this without him. I cannot go through the loss that I've gone through without him. I cannot. Why, God? I don't know why, but man, I have to have you. Faith is that undergirding thing that says, come what may, I have to have Jesus. I need Jesus. Can I get some worship, Justin? That's all right. Last Sunday, I was, I was grilling. I wasn't grilling. Craig Kamali was grilling, and he's an amazing grill master. The best fajitas I've ever had, but that's another story. Um, and I was turning on the propane. You know how you do. You twist that knob and turn it on. I was turning the knobs on the, on the burners. And then I just sat there for a minute, and I was like, I've done all this work, but what happens if there's n- not a spark? Like, what happens if I've turned on the propane and... I've got the burners going, but there's no ignition. There's no match. Am I going to be able to cook anything? No. And I was like, wow. How does this relate to my walk with the Lord? And I just felt like the Lord said this. He said, we choose to open up our hearts like a propane tank and like the burners on a grill. But it is not your responsibility to light the match. It is not your responsibility to keep the fire burning. And if you think that you have to keep your fire burning, you're living in an old covenant mindset. There have been so many times, I've even heard sermons on it. You just need to keep the, you need need to keep the fire burning. I can't keep the fire burning. He is the only one that can keep the fire burning. And I've lived part of my life trying to keep the fire burning. And I was addicted to things. I was struggling with things because I was doing it, not the Lord. My responsibility is yield. His responsibility is... And until we understand that, we're going to live our lives trying to maintain a fire and man that leads to burnout so fast you're going to be frustrated with God because you're trying to keep your fire lit you're not relying on him to light your fire I saw a quote from a pastor his name's Lee Cummings he said this we don't handle the presence of God we host him We don't handle it. I'm not the one trying to, all right, if I can just maintain this little bushfire. We host him. We put our faith in him, and through the Holy Spirit, he lights a fire in your heart. And if he lights it, then it doesn't go out. If you light it, come what may, 
That's why in Matthew 24, it says the love of many will grow cold. In the end times, the love of many will grow cold. Why? Because I'm trying to keep my love. Because I'm trying to light my fire. Because I think that if I can reach enough for faith, if I can figure out how to maintain faith on my own, that I will make it and you won't make it. You won't. He has to light the flame. He has to light the fire. This is the new covenant. I've been doing a lot of Bible reading, and we're in numbers right now, and there's so many like, you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you thank God that we live in the new covenant. We don't have to try to do something and have the right logs on the fire and figure out how to make sure that there's propanes turned all the way on. No, we get to just yield. And he goes, I am releasing fire on your heart, not because, not because of anything you've done, but because of who I am. Because I am a God that wants you to walk in my reality of me as your all-consuming fire. Can we stand? That Ephesians 1.18 passage that I, I quoted earlier, it's Paul writing to the church of, of Ephesus, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Other translations, instead of enlightened, they say flooded with light. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light. That he would open our eyes. That he would become our sight. That we would yield to him believe him, trust him, and that we would collectively in our hearts yield and say out of all the roads, I choose you. I need you, Jesus. I need you more today at 1155 on Sunday morning than I needed you yesterday. I need you. Come on, we, we came into salvation with Jesus not because we think we needed him because we know we had to have him because he's the only one that can free me. He's the only way that I walk in righteousness. He's the only way that I have this. And if I think that I can do any of that, then I don't really need him. But oh boy, I need him. Having walked the road, I need him. As we step into this season, the reason that I shared this word this morning is for this reason. I believe that we are entering into a season where the Lord is asking us to yield so that he can author fresh faith. Fresh faith. What's that fresh faith? It's faith for things that we've been contending for. It's faith to hold on. Some of you, you're just like, I just need to hold on. There's faith for that. Faith to contend for something. Faith for the impossible. Faith even in the crushing and the pressing seasons. Faith in difficulty. Faith where there hasn't been a miracle. Faith that he can and he will be faithful. It's the faith in his faithfulness. I 
believe that there's fresh faith this morning. And I don't know about you, but I am willing. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, it talks about the fear of the Lord. I think it's Ecclesiastes 8, 12. He's talking about the fear of the Lord. And he says, I want the fear of the Lord to be, I want it to be outwardly. What is he saying? He's saying, I want my fear of the Lord to be so crazy that I can't not live it so that people see it. Oh, come on. I believe one of the things the Lord's asking some of you in this room is you need, you need to ask the Lord for something crazy. You need to step in to the faith for the impossible. Lord, I need you to the point where if you ask me to build a boat in my backyard, I will. If you ask me to march around the city, I will. If you ask me to bring a tiny little sling and two stones to a match with a whole bunch of stronger people in the natural, I will. So Jesus, this morning, Holy Spirit, we ask you right now, we yield. Come on, some of us, we need to cry out. We just need to say, I yield to you, Jesus. Come on, we're communicating our need for him. Lord, in this hour, in the things that are coming, Lord, the wars, the rumors of wars, the things that are happening, we say we need you. We collectively cry out, we need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. And this morning, I come as Abraham did. I come as David did. I come as Joshua did. And I say, by faith. By faith. I come by faith and not by sight. Oh, Jesus. We may not see the answer. We may not see the miracle. We may not see it. But we believe you. Come on. Some of you, you need to just say out loud, I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. It's not just a good song. It's not just words that we read on a page. Jesus, we believe you. We believe that your word is true. We believe that you desire, that you desire, that you're zealous for our hearts. We believe for the impossible. We believe for things that maybe we've lost faith in. Some of you this morning, you've lost faith for things. You've, you've let that thing go because you haven't seen it yet. And the Lord says, pick it back up. I have faith for that. I have faith for that. So Jesus, we anchor ourselves to you this morning. We just say, faith. Lord, we open, up our, we open up our hearts just like the propane and the burners. We open up and we thank you right now that you are lighting that match of faith. You are saying, hey, I want to author faith in your heart for that miracle. I want to author faith in your heart for that. Some of you, you're believing for businesses. You're believing for things. And I just see the Lord right now. He's authoring faith. He's bringing that match and he's saying, whoosh, here it comes. Woo, come on, let's just worship for a minute. Let's just worship. We can bring the kids in if you want, if we need to. Let's just worship and let's step into this. This year, Jesus, we are stepping into a year where we are saying we will be a people 
Convergence Church that says we have crazy faith for that. We have faith to see Fort Worth completely come to know you. We have faith. Not our own, but just out of yielding, it's your faith, Lord. It's the substance of Jesus. Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for that faith, Lord. Come on, let's just cry out just a little bit longer. Come on. Come on, let's worship him. Jesus. Jesus, I will be like Joshua. Would you give us faith, Lord? Would you author faith? Would you author faith like Abraham, where he was, he was too old in the natural, but you said, no, he's not. The promises of God. Some of you, you think your time is over, and the Lord says, no. The Lord says, I still have more for you. I still have promises I want to fulfill to you. I still desire that you step into more of me. Jesus. Oh, we need you, Jesus. Oh, we need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We need you more now than we ever have before. Out of all the options, we choose Jesus. Out of all the ways, we choose Jesus.
faith that's in you, Jesus. specifically have a health issue like there's a there's a maybe it's a diagnosis maybe it's a thing that you've been contending for and you've been contending for it for five years or more would you raise your hand five years or more okay if you have your hand up can you would can you just come to the front five five years or more you've been contending wow Jesus Jesus. Yeah, could I have could I have our staff? Could I have ministry team, micro church pastors? Could we could we just come and could we surround these? Right now, Lord, I just I felt that five years or more. Right now, Lord, we thank you for the faith for the miracle right now. Jesus, where there's been contending for years. Right now, Lord, we're asking that there would be a marked change. We're asking for complete healing, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you that you are the healer. You are the healer. Come on, let's pray. Let's release this. Jesus, we contend. We contend, Lord, if you're watching online and this is you, I just want you to begin to pray. Begin to pray. We thank you, God. We thank you for healing. I felt the Lord say minds. He's healing a mind. If, if there's, I don't know what that is. Lord, we just ask you for minds right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right now. Jesus, we thank you, God, that you're the healer. You're the healer. Jesus. 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 Right now, Jesus. Jesus, right now. Right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. Jesus name In Jesus name In Jesus name
let's just continue to pray. If you need, if you need prayer for anything, just feel free to come forward if you want us to pray for you. If there's anything, we're just going to stay in this place for a little while. We're just going to pray. We're going to contend 